You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to episode four of Commentary Trek Stars, a show which looks at the work of Trek creators outside of Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we're joined by our very first guest, Drew. How's it going, Drew? I'm doing well, thank you. Drew is the original series editor over at Trek FM. That's right. Cool. Uh, so be sure to go over there and check out his stuff. Today is uh, part three in our look at the, the career of Gene Roddenberry as a television creator. And we're going to be looking at Assignment Earth, which is, of course, the second season finale of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. The original series. But it was also intended to be a backdoor pilot for a show starring Robert Lansing as Gary Seven and Terry Garr as Roberta Lincoln. And that other lady as the cat. <clears throat> yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> How could we forget Isis? I don't remember that lady's name. I don't know. But they had, uh, what, Barbara Babcock do the, the voice of the cat? Yeah, true? she was doing that. Yeah, she was good. Know that. Yeah. And the voice of the computer. Wow. Which I was disappointed. I figured that Gene would want Majel to do the voice of the computer, you know, so that she still had a steady job after Star Trek got canceled. But how would he explain that? I mean, did they get the same lady to record <laughs> audio files on, like, another planet for, like, the ages? Comp- oh, uh, <laughs> we know too much stuff. <laughs> All right. So uh, does anyone want to give their take on the premise for this show like not not the episode in particular but what the show was going to be or do you want me to do it or what sure i i can i can do it i think all right go for it um it assignment earth uh thankfully the computer has gary seven explain what assignment earth is actually about and uh i wrote down what he said he said the problem Earth technology and science have progressed faster than political and social knowledge. Purpose of mission, to prevent Earth civilization from destroying itself before it can mature into a peaceful society. So it's basically Gene's prequel to the Federation universe. Like, how did we get to be the perfect society? And I guess it would be looking at the modern way, the, the, the 60s, uh, how they dealt with things and how Gary Seven would help them with things to ease them toward the Trekkie future. Yeah, which is an interesting idea. But he's you know, not from the future. He's not from it's the future. True. But but he's he, but they, they, his civilization has some awareness of the future. Well, it, do right. they have some? Of, he knows well, he knows Vulcans. No, but, he, but he, knows, is he recognizes he, the Enterprise. He recognizes Kirk oh. and Spock and says, "Like you guys are from the future." When humans and Vulcans are totally hanging together. Oh, okay, okay. Which is not happening yet. Word. I, right. I, I just assumed that he was that's like, oh, look, that's a Vulcan. You know, this yeah. must be a future ship because we don't know Vulcans now, but presumably one day. Well, I mean, you could say that, but I mean, when you're watching the episode, it's pretty clear. He's like, you guys are from the future. Yeah. Because yeah. I've read books about the future. Okay. In, in the original book. first draft I, I read on that site that we'll link to, I guess. Yeah. Um that he was from the 24th century 
uh, in the in the draft that didn't have any Star Trek elements, he was from the time of the original series right. and sent back in time, not necessarily to make sure that you know the Enterprise and stuff exists. I, I don't know if they were going to take place in the same universe when he first wrote the script. But he was from the future originally. I don't think they would have taken place in the same universe because, like, if you look at the premise of that 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 original draft, it was like the future is like Terminator futury. You know what I mean? It's mm. like it's like society has failed, and now like the last. I mean, from what I gathered, and I, I didn't read the whole thing, but from what I gathered, like they they have that little uh, saga cell in there, which they actually had a, a whole that they actually published that whole thing. But it, to me, the, the impression that I got was they're sending this guy back in time to basically fix the problems that humanity had. You know, like, he, he was, like, kind of like a Sam Beckett. What, the idea is he goes back in time and he's like, guys, stop polluting the oceans. Guys, stop going to war. Stop <laughs> making nuclear bombs. And then they were like, oh, he's a hippie. <laughs> maybe he doesn't need to be from the future <laughs> yeah so so that's that's what i think the the original idea was and they said that there was also going to be sort of like a big baddie called the omegans who were doing something for some reason omegafying things yeah so so that was that was i think what the original idea was but they they obviously changed that sounds you know, like an apocalyptic cult in uh in in later drafts uh <clears throat> And um, yeah, for this for this episode in particular, you know, the I'm assuming it's it's what what a regular you know standard episode of the show would be like. I mean, that's what pilots do, right? And you know, he's trying to stop a satellite from being launched because it was going to malfunction and start World War Three. No, no, no. Okay, he was trying. He he was trying to make. A, a satellite non-functional. Okay. He's essentially a saboteur, right? Trying to prevent a weapon from being functional. Okay. Well, yeah. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, the okay. opposite of that. It's <laughs> the right. opposite of what you said. <laughs> okay. Same thing in the sense that it's not that at all. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, so, so, what were your thoughts on this episode as a pilot to to a new show, like divorcing it from the Star Trek elements? What do you think about this episode as? Um, its own thing. Well, I I think it would have been interesting to see. It, it kind of has, uh, you know, if you take out the Star Trek elements, it does kind of have a, a Doctor Who kind of feel. He's got the he's got the quirky female sidekick. He's got a screwdriver pen that can he can do whatever he wants to with it. Lock doors, make people passive, tell them to take a nap, kill people. Uh, Kill people, yeah. Doctor Who doesn't have that. That's true. Yet. But I, I can see that it, it might have been interesting uh, to, to have more episodes of Roddenberry taking, out, taking off the, uh, the sci-fi, you know, racism is bad, you know, the half-black, half-white people from the third season, and just maybe he actually would have Gary Seven deal with that with actual white and black people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, it, they, it, and the network would never air it. Right. right. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, that was one of the things which I thought was really interesting about this is, you know, 
it does do the same thing that Star Trek does. It does allow Roddenberry to look at the issues of the time. I mean, it's very sort of on the nose about it, whereas Star Trek was very sneaky about it in a sense. Like, he just put it on Front Street. And, and because of that, you know, like Max is saying, you know, I think history shows that that would not have worked. You know, I mean, it would have worked from a dramatic point of view, but he would have never gotten that thing on the air. And maybe that's actually, I mean, I don't know why it didn't, it wasn't picked up for series, but I mean that could have very well been the reason. They we've could been have been scared this, of it. We've been over this before, but I don't think that he, that he was being sneaky. I think that he kind of stumbled into this. He did not think it through. He just thought, "Of course, we're not going to have a problem with black people. Of course, we're going to put religion aside. Of but, course, we're going to stop starting wars for no but, good reason." Well, well, yeah, all of that's true. But what I'm saying is, like he he found a way to talk about it and still get that on the air. Yeah, I don't think he did that on purpose. Okay, I, I I think he did. I don't know. I but but, but I mean, you think he did, and well, then he tried to make a Simon Earth. So okay, and then well, you know Questor tapes, and 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 then you go, wait a minute, no, he did not know that he was coming up with a good idea here. Maybe he was just getting more and more bold. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I don't. Okay, all right. I don't know. I I just watched Let That Be Your Last Battlefield uh, the other day, and it's really obvious. Like, you know, he wasn't being sneaky. He was like, look, racism is stupid. And, you know, Kirk basically says as much. And I I think that, that he knew what he was. I mean, maybe he didn't have much to do with Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. But somebody thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, Gene Roddenberry was, I mean, he, he did not hide the fact that he, you know, thought racism was stupid and that he thought religion was stupid he was he was pretty out, outspoken on, on his points of view and and considering that star trek managed to get away with so many of those things i think the evidence is pretty clear and he was not being clever okay he All just right. he kind of lucked into a position where he could get away with these statements uh, well maybe i'm just giving him too much credit i don't know max what are your thoughts on it as a uh as a, as, a, as a hypothetical as a, as a, TV show or as yeah. a pilot for a hypothetical TV show? Because they're different. <laughs> Take your pick. Both. Oh, how, about, how about both? Let's do both. Okay, <laughs> I think that as an episode, it, it holds true to the general philosophy that pilots should be terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that like all of my problems with that episode can be summed up with... The, the final scene with um, with Kirk and Spock saying goodbye to Gary Seven. He's like, I and predict like, they'll have many adventures I, I, in the future. I suspect that in the coming five to seven years, <laughs> you'll have approximately 26 bang, bang, you know, blockbusting events and adventures and extravaganzas wherein your, your relationships and your fortitude will be tested to the limit. And perhaps on occasion, there will be grand dangers that will hang over your head for some period of time, only to be resolved in the early fall. But the point is, <laughs> I look forward to watching your adventures from, let's say, the future. Watching maybe a television adaptation of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. like that is that, that is pretty much how the last terrible scene. episode. You know, I mean, don't don't put that in your show. It's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> but I mean, they did it, and. I mean, like, I, on a certain level, I feel like Gene Roddenberry was like, man, nobody is watching this show. I better come up with an idea for a different show. Well, I think that's exactly what yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. And, and definitely. So, and so he was like, he was like, all right, guys, this is probably going to be our last episode. 
So let's have you all introduce a new TV show. I mean, if you're if you're William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, you know, uh, uh, Walter Kane, if you're any of those people, you can be like, we're really doing this? Are well, we spending no, an entire episode no. like saying, you know, like, well, we're screwed. Maybe this guy will do better. I mean, but, that's but, crazy. but that, that is an interesting thing. You know, I mean, Drew, you were just on the ready room where you guys talked about turnabout intruder. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, that you, you really uh, sort of, you know, hit on was the fact that that's the last episode of the show. And that is a bizarre way to go out of that show, you know. Right. And, you know, here here we have what they thought was the first time the last episode of the show. You know what I mean? It was the first it was time the, the first, last episode the of first, the show? Yeah, the first mm-hmm. time. The, it was the beta test for the last, <laughs> the episode, last of the episode of the show. That's exactly what it was, yeah. you know. And, I mean, there, there's two things about that. I mean, one thing which I, I don't think that you guys really did touch on was the fact that it was a different time for mm-hmm. television and you know if you look at like pretty much any show there and i'm not familiar with a whole lot of shows from the era but the there there seems to be a thing where basically you know you don't have like a pilot like you do now and you don't have a, a finale like you do now mm-hmm. it was basically you do a number of shows and then they end and then that's it mm-hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me if the worst episode is is the last one because if you have a better idea, you're obviously going to do that first, you know? So it, it kind of makes sense to me that Turnabout Intruder is the last episode of Star Trek. Yep. You know, but here's another case of a bizarro last episode, you know? Well, before we get into that, before we get into what that episode is a Star Trek episode, two, two things about it which, which I, I think are kind of weird. It does allow Roddenberry to deal with a lot of the issues that he's dealing with in Trek, but he he deals with them in a, in a in a kind of a different way. You know, like Star Trek has a prime directive of non-interference and everything mm-hmm. like that. And the premise of this show is built on basically an alien race which contradicts that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? I mean, they're it's all about interfering with humanity in order to save it. So that's kind of weird. And the other thing which I thought was kind of weird is the way that the show was originally written and that, that first draft that, that has the non-Star Trek elements in it, it has a very bleak vision of the future. And it's about working towards a better future, which is obviously what Star Trek is about. Star Trek is about working towards a better future, but it sort of takes the opposite approach to it, whereas Star Trek is saying, like, look at what we can become. Assignment Earth, the original draft, was like, you better watch out, or else look at what we're going to become. I you know, I think that it's that's no, not exactly. It's right. close enough. I don't think that I don't think the, the the motivation behind Assignment Earth was to say, you know, we we got to make sure that we don't go uh, go astray here and screw everything up. I think they were that the, the the point was that I mean this was you know the towards the later sixties and people were looking at the Cold War, which was increasingly becoming stupid. Like, it, it went from being, like, a war to being just a really terrible situation that nobody seemed to have a solution for. And we were, like, you know, building, you know, nuclear missile upon nuclear missile. And, like, every time, you know, like, they were, they were you know, more were created, everyone was just standing around going, like, why are we doing this? Why are we still, why are we still involved in this? This is a terrible thing to be doing because we're not, we're not building a stockpile of weapons for the purposes of defense. We're building a stockpile of weapons because we don't have a better idea of what to do. So, like, the concern was 
Like, we're going to end up destroying our civilization, not because of, of evil, not because like a new neo-Hitler shows up with a cyborg eye, you know, none, none of that. It's just going to be because, because somebody screwed up and pushed the wrong button at the wrong time and humanity was wiped out. Mm-hmm. So the idea was we need a guy who is able to anticipate these stupid decisions that we make and maybe occasionally sabotage a satellite for us. <laughs> okay. Right. Because the feeling was we're, we are that close to screwing everything up so badly that we will all be gone and we will never get to this awesome Star Trek's future. So maybe we actually need a guy just sort of essentially doing, you know, oversight mm-hmm. for our civilization. Yeah, I mean, it's all part of the same thing. You know, I don't think that his his philosophy changed much. You know, Questor tapes is essentially the exact same story. Yeah, that's something that yeah uh, I've read, and you know, we're going to get to that in a couple of episodes, and we can talk about it more then. Um, but uh, well, well, Max, I mean, you talked about how you think it works as a pilot. How do you think the the series on the whole, the concept for the series on the whole is? It's not actually all that. Um... It's not actually all that weird from a from like a television point of view. There were other shows like it, and actually, you know, the Doctor Who comparison is is pretty much the closest thing we have. But I mean, there are things from England around that time. I mean, Sapphire and Steel is actually pretty much the exact same idea, except instead of being, you know, a human from another planet, they're aliens from another sort of civilization, possibly a different universe. I mean, there are lots of different versions of this. You know, like an alien is on Earth preventing you know humanity from screwing everything up and wiping themselves out mm-hmm. there's a lot of those mm-hmm. and uh and like you know the, the the television sort of format that they followed was very sort of fugitive like style you know every week a different place has an adventure with some people keeps them from killing each other yeah so well i i was i was wondering because uh, he was talking about uh, the agents that he was supposed to be overseeing i wondered if maybe they were going to send more agents and maybe there would be like a regular rotation of guest stars or something, you know, and more like an A team kind of thing, like you know, your mission today or Mission Impossible. You yeah. know, your mission should you choose to accept it, you need to go do this scientificy sci-fi kind of thing. It could have been a, any number of things, and it and it's hard to tell from just this one half of an episode. Well, I mean, there also is the indication that it seems to take at least a few days for him to go from like the 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 origin to Earth. Back, yeah, I don't know. Like they, they talked about like the 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 way at least in that original script or whatever. Sort of the idea for how each episode would start. It would be actually kind of quantum leapy, where mm-hmm. um, it would start with him walking through the door, at whatever location his adventure would be for that week. So, so um, what did you guys think of this as an episode of Star Trek? It was terrible, really. Um, just. Well, the fact that they were set aside um, and just basically ignored or forced to watch most of the time, the the fact that the, most of the second season, especially the latter half, is the prime directive is vitally important. The prime directive is important. These people are breaking the prime directive. We need to stop them. And this entire episode is, like you said earlier, some aliens prime breaking the prime directive with Earth. Mm-hmm. messing with Star Trek history and just because this one incident happened speaking of which predestination paradox the enterprise you know helped st- actually stopped him and they found record of it actually happening like it was <laughs> I actually have in my notes Q Mac Max explosion 
predestination paradise. I, 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 I just think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that that like that's a that's a that's a question. Like, oh, we discovered that that's how it actually happened. Yeah. Would you discover otherwise? <laughs> Would you look in your history books and go, nope? What happened isn't what happened. A different thing that didn't happen happened. <laughs> Doesn't make any damn sense. I mean, it, it was weird that they, you know, even like like the whole premise of the show. Like, we're gonna go back in <laughs> right. time to observe this thing. Just, just we're just going back in time, not necessarily to observe this launch or anything. They just went back in time for the heck of it. Yeah, they were just like, let's see what. How did the sixties work? <laughs> well, huh? nobody makes a good bagel anymore. So they were going to go to New York and get some good bagels. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. They went back to the 60s to find out, you know, get a closer look about what happened. But then they have records of exactly what happened. So yeah. what did they accomplish? So, okay. So you don't think that it works as an episode of Star Trek at all? I mean, you, I mean, you, don't, you don't think it's a good episode? You think it's a I bad don't, episode? I don't think it's a good episode. Okay. I think it's a better ending. Like, had it only lasted two seasons... And had a Simon Earth actually hap, you know, like been a series, it would have been an okay episode, kind of a a passing of the torch kind of thing. Yeah. But as it stands, it's no one ever mentions it again, and we'll just ignore it. Which every good episode of Star Trek is completely ignored by the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So okay, well, what about you, Max? Did did you like it as a Star Trek episode? I, I I've never even thought of it like that. I mean, like when well, I was. Do you a like kid, it? As, do you like it? No. Okay. I, but I mean, like when I was when I was a kid and I saw Simon <clears throat> Earth, I was like, I was like, this is weird. Why is this episode like this? Well, yeah, and, it and is like, bizarre. It was very strange. As a child, I was like, I was like, why is this episode like this? And and um, it actually like I I sort of connected it up to like other things like like my awareness of Three's Company, <laughs> um, um, you know, various other like nature like spinoffs. I was like, oh. That's what it is. It's yeah. that weird structure that a TV show has when they're establishing a new show. Right. And and like these days, it's actually far weirder. I'm I'm you know, there's a Gilmore Girls episode that does it, and it was freaking me out because it was like, it was like, is this? Is the, do they still do this? Do they still establish? Well, they still do it. Yeah. Well, they, really? They did, they did, they did, did an episode Bones. of Gossip Girl. They did too. on Bones. Yeah. Last last season, yeah. they, did, they did it with an episode of Bones. Like, no, it was the season before last, with uh, Michael Clark Duncan and this show called The Finder that was right. canceled almost immediately. Yeah, but it was it's just weird that they did that. I remember I remember being really frustrated by the nature of the episode, but when I found out when I figured out that it was, you know, like a hypothetical new show, I remember like my my judgment of it shifted from like is it a good episode to is it a good idea for a show? Mm-hmm. And I thought I could yeah I could see that being good, but at the same time. It's not a better idea than Star Trek. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, the, there's a pathetic angle to it, which is, you know, if after every two seasons, you know, the show passes the baton to a new series, I mean, if we go in, in this arc, you know, like, like two seasons into Assignment Earth, you know, Gary Seven's going to be like, I think it'll be really cool once you're running this bar. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, I think it'll be good. I think I'll have a lot of hilarious hijinks while running this bar. Um, oh, well, I'll see you later, Ted Danson. I mean, like, that's a thing. That could totally happen, and we'd end up just getting less and less interesting shows. So it really disturbed me that he was trying to establish a show that was way less interesting. Well, I mean, that, that was that's, that's an interesting question, which I was going to ask you guys. I don't know whether to, you, you want to take it into account or not, the, what, what season three ended up being. 
But given the choice, would you rather have a third season of Star Trek or a first season of Assignment Earth? Star Trek. Is that with or without your knowledge of season three? I'm... This is... Oh, okay. And coming from a... There's only two seasons of Star Trek. It's the 60s. Um, yeah. Some, someone says, look, there, one of two things could happen. We could get another year of Star Trek or we could get a, a year of Assignment Earth. I don't know. Star Trek was coming off of a, a really good run of episodes. Um, yeah, season two had like at least four. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is a pretty good run yeah. <laughs> for the original series. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I would have I put my money on the horses that was already in the race uh, of Star Trek. And yeah. I think it would be more interesting in the long run. And it, it was. I, I think I agree with with you. You don't change horses at midstream. But here, here's well, here's a question now. Knowing what we got in season three, if you were a gambling man, would you be willing to, uh, you know, put up season three? You know, have that erased from memory for a season of Assignment Earth in the hopes that it would be a good thing. This is not fair. This is the Monty Hall problem. You can't, you can't, you can't say, you know, what's, you know, like, do you pick door number two or door number three? I mean, you know, we know what's behind door number three. Right. Knowing what's behind door number three, are you willing to sacrifice that to see what's behind door number two? Well, being familiar with the Monty Hall problem, I would say that um, I would probably go with the one that's not a known property because I know what season three is. So I'm going to go with the Simon Earth. However, that sh- that that is that is the result of me being aware of season three right. and also being in the '60s. If I am now me, if I'm no, me, you now, you now, right now. If someone were to say we could erase season three from the world, okay, and give you an assignment Earth season one, would okay, you do see, it? Do you see? Do you see what you're doing here? This is a time travel scenario. You've <laughs> oh, put boy. me in a time travel scenario. <laughs> oh no! You are so terrible at what you. Ju- that is terrible thing to do. <laughs> All right. You gave me a hypothetical scenario involving time travel. Okay. What about you, Drew? Would you oh. sacrifice season three? Um, no. I think that 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 Star Trek is good, and I know that it's good, or at least has good properties, even in most bad episodes. And Assignment Earth just would be untested. I, I don't think that it, it would have uh, been as successful. I don't think we'd be going to assignment Earth cons. Or remember, remember that that stupid TV show, that sci-fi show that Assignment Earth spun off of. You know, like uh, it just no. I I I I wouldn't be able to give up season three. Okay, I mean, see, to me, I don't know. Maybe I'm like I don't really see season three impacting the rest of Trek. You know, if we have if we don't have season three, what do we lose? Is there a good episode in there that we lose? Let, let there be your last battlefield. We, we don't have that. What we lose is the motion picture, the movies. Do we? Next generation, no. yeah, yes. Space Nine, and Voyager. Definitely. Do we? Really? Yes, we because do. if 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 they hadn't had that that huge fan uprising between the second and third season, I don't think the fans would have of like combined forces again. The thing is, I mean, like, the, the thing here is, like, Star Trek Season 3, it might not have been a good season, but, I mean, it means there were three years 
in which Star Trek was on television. That is like that is thirty three percent more time of Star Trek being on television, giving time for it to establish itself as a cultural presence. Yeah. If we lose probably any episode, we probably break the entire house of cards. Okay. All right. I, I see what you guys are saying. I, I guess that makes sense. Just just giving some some uh, background information on this episode. You know, I mean, we're we're trying to sort of track Roddenberry's career here, and I mean, I think that we pretty much covered that stuff. But just sort of like looking at his collaborators and stuff like that. Um, this episode was co-written by a guy named Art Wallace, who, uh, from what I can tell, his his sort of most famous work is Dark Shadows. He co-wrote the Bible with the the creator of the show. I think his name is Dan Curtis. Oh, and, I'm pretty sure the Bible is written by God. <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Shadows Bible. Um, and <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing to have. No. Um. And 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 he uh, he wrote like or co-wrote. Um, the majority of episodes for I think the first couple of years, like if you look at his IMDb credit, he has like 900 episodes of Dark Shadows or something like that. 900 episodes. I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy number of episodes that he's written of that show. Um, and and this was a thing where I, from from what I can tell, he pretty much wrote the, uh, well not the first draft, which was the non Star Trek draft that was written by Roddenberry, but uh, he wrote the first draft of the of it as a Trek episode. And then Roddenberry um, heavily rewrote it, and that's why they they got co-credit. That's that's for what I can tell from what I've read, and uh, you know I also read that, that Roddenberry had a, a very hands-on approach to this episode. He's actually credited as a producer instead of an executive producer, which was I think the first time in quite some time that he got that credit, and the reason was because. He uh, was there on the set. He was, you know, picking out, you know, costumes and props. You know, they were talking about how, like, Terry Gar, I guess, absolutely hated her experience on the show. And, like, if someone asked her about Star Trek, she won't even talk about it now um, because of the way that, that Roddenberry was sort of... Uh, Shatner was constantly hitting on her. Well, yeah. He was constantly hitting on George Decay. Like, he was, like, not interested. <laughs> it was just a nightmare. Yeah. I, it's I, like from what I understand, like one one sort of anecdote that they gave was uh, Roddenberry kept on saying that her shirt needed her skirt needed to be shorter, and and he kept on making uh, William wear tice, bring up the hemline on her skirt, and it was like distorting the dress, and she was really uncomfortable with it, and all that kind of stuff. So he he was very very much trying to sculpt this new show into what he wanted it to be and i think really did not care about it being an episode of star trek at all other than it being like a really good vehicle to launch yeah i mean like I, I might disagree with you except <clears throat> i've seen the episode yeah he yeah did not care about he did not care about it being an episode of star trek which is, is kind of an interesting thing it, it it's a good idea i mean he he knew the show was going to be canceled or he, he figured it would stay canceled so he used whatever budget he had left to build all the sets that he needed and cast for another television show that he can immediately turn around and say, look, we've got standing sets, we've got actors, we've got costumes, we've got all these scripts ready, let's go. Yeah. And he did it all in Desilu's money. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. As, as an escape plan, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's a, just a way to get your show, another show on TV. <laughs> Although it does kind of indicate that he was willing to sell everybody involved in the proceedings down a river in order to... Uh, establish uh, his own boat. 
in order to It is uh, impressive that, that that they didn't like that somebody didn't come back for season 3 because of that. Yeah. You'd think that you think that people would be like pissed off by how terribly blatant it was. You're talking about the actors? The actors yeah, like the Shatner. Writers, everyone. Like how did Shatner stand for that? See, I don't think that they I, ca- I mean, you know, like I I think you know something that I mean, these were all. I mean, was even was even William Shatner William Shatner at the time? William Shatner like, was 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 Danny Crane at the time. He was a humongous force. Was he okay? I mean, because that, like that's like, the thing. I mean, that's actually why like, I disagree with the general concept that Shatner might be upset because I think that Shatner relished the idea of of the show being canceled. Okay, well that could be too. because he was he was very annoyed by the entire mm. endeavor. The the episode was directed by Mark Daniels, who we talked about. Um, he was the guy who directed that episode of The Lieutenant that we watched, and and he he's directed a lot of original series episodes, and I think he even wrote an episode of the animated series. Don't quote me on that though. I I, I think that maybe Roddenberry picked him because he knew that he could rely on him to turn in something good. I mean, you're going to want someone who, you know, knows what or they're doing. Maybe he just had no compassion. He just needed somebody, you know, with it the could, with the brutality to like, you know, slit the the cast's throats right in front of them. It could have been that, you know, who knows, you know. And then Robert Lansing who played Gary Seven, he from what I gather was kind of more of a television actor. I've really never seen that guy in anything else. Have, have you guys seen him in anything? No. Do you know who he is? No. Probably. I I've, I've seen a bajillion episodes of TV from the 60s and 50s. Right, and but 70s. you don't know him from anything. I have no idea no. who he was. I mean, the fact is that most of the guys from that era Look exactly the same. Yeah. Like they yeah, all have the true. same haircut. They all have the same clothes. <laughs> Terry Terry Gar, on the other hand, did go on to do many many things. Yeah, I like lo- at least a couple of them aren't terrible. I love Terry Gar so much. Anyway, um, but she was in her. she was in uh, the conversation, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then she actually got nominated for an Oscar for Tootsie. So. She had quite Wasn't she in Young Frankenstein? She was, yes. She was in Young <laughs> Frankenstein. She's all over the place. All right, well, you guys have any uh, final thoughts on Assignment Earth? No, I'm good. Max? I think of all the episodes of the original series that have a colon in between two words. It's the better one. <laughs> well, the other one has two dashes. Oh, it's not a Operation colon? Annihilate has two dashes. Well, I guess that's pretty much it for 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 this episode. Um, Drew, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at double o five, all spelled out, with an O, not a zero. And uh, they can find me on Trek FM, where I'm the TOS editor, and I'll probably end up writing a review of Assignment Earth pretty soon, since it's fresh on my mind. Sweet. All right. This is the last episode of Commentary Trek Stars, by the way. We're we're starting a new podcast called uh, <laughs> Assignment. Assignment Earthcast. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> As always, you can find us uh, at CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do our other show, Commentary Track Stars, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or send us an email at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Tune in next week for part four of our Gene Roddenberry series, where we look at Genesis 2. And, um, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Drew. No problem. And we'll talk to you all later. Yeah, see you.